Welcome to Executives at the Edge, a podcast brought to you by MEF. I'm your host, Pascal Venezes. Join me as we explore thought-provoking perspectives from the leaders and changemakers who are propelling enterprise digital transformation forward. Today, I'm so excited to have Luis Fiello, VP of China Telecom Americas, and really great episode about how China Telecom Americas is participating in Americas and working with all the companies to create that communication channel between the continent of America and China. So with that, I'd like to welcome Louis Fiello. And Louis, please tell us a little about yourself and a little about China Telecom Americas. That'd be really appreciated. Well, first, yeah, uh, first of all, Pascal, thank you for uh, having me on today. And, uh, um, you know, we've always uh, admired the work that the MEF has done. So we're excited to be on, especially me. Uh, so for me, I'm a 25 years plus uh, telecom executive. I've worked for a lot of American companies as well as other international companies. But I spent the majority of my career at China Telecom. Um, and what's called China Telecom Americas, which is the international subsidiary for, of China Telecom Corporation. And we're responsible for the entire Americas region. And uh, it's exciting for me because uh, I joined the company when China was just going abroad. You know, it was opening up its market. The, they were building, you know, infrastructure. And one of the companies that was doing so was China Telecom which today is one of the, I think, top 10 in the world, um, telecom operators. And, you know, when we started off, uh, China Telecom started off, uh, we had the U.S. Obviously, the U.S. is a good market, but it's also a very competitive market. So as China was emerging into the global telecom space, where China Telecom was, uh, we, we were fortunate enough to learn a lot from the U.S. market, and we continue to expand. Now we have operations in 45 countries. In the Americas region, we have three subsidiaries, one in Canada, one in the U.S., and one in Brazil. And uh, we, you know, we've been serving multinational customers uh, as well as carrier customers. And we've done a little bit on the consumer side through our MBNO initiatives that we've done in the past. And we still have operations up in Canada for. So for us, you know what, the best way to describe us, we're an international broadband provider that's sort of migrating and pivoting a little bit being more of a overlay operator as opposed to uh, being a complete underlay and overlay. And I'll talk a little bit more about that, what that means later. But uh, for us, um, you know, we've, we've been here for last year, we celebrated year 20 uh, of op operations in the U.S. Uh, so we were very proud of the accomplishments we've had. Well, well, thank you, Lewis. I would, you know, I never knew that about China Telecom. I always think about China Telecom is massive in China, um, and I never realized that you had a they had a division, tele China Telecom Americas. So that's pretty enlightening. So tell us, uh, Louis, uh, what what can telecom providers do to address changing connectivity needs or enhance cross regional connectivity while still staying compliant to local policy? As you yeah. know, this has become a huge a huge deal about local policy. So if you can enlighten our listeners that'd be really important yeah well let's let's talk a bit a little bit about at, um, what's happening right so 
you know, in my view, the the world of digital transformation is something that began uh, prior to the pandemic, but it was accelerated during the pandemic. And the digital transformation is where not only enterprise users, everybody's decided to make a commitment to move things into a way of being able to communicate electronically. And we had to do that during the pandemic and we accelerated those investments. But governments also got behind it. And actually they started talking about this. Uh, you can point to certain uh, data points like uh, Osaka, Japan, uh, when the G20 got together and they were discussing uh, you know, digital transformation. And they were talking about how we're going to regulate it, how we're going to govern it. So this has been a big push throughout. And then you got the technology piece. You have things like 5G, AI, IoT, M2M, machine to machine, um, and edge computing top, uh, coupled with cloud computing and traditional uh, uh, telecommunications uh, and data center services. So as what, what I've seen is that what all this has done is brought in new opportunities to uh, manage data and manage the integration of this information, which has now created uh, new uh, regulations, rules, uh, policies that governments are looking at. But the challenge we have as an industry, as a communication service provider in our industry, is that the governments all not agree on the, how these things and rules are going to be deployed. And some governments are further ahead, while some governments are still trying to follow, come up with the right combination of rules and regulations. But the, at the very beginning, you know, uh, to answer your question, you know, we always strive to be localized and follow local laws and regulations. Uh, we've always done that. And then the second thing is, uh, we tried it to be accommodating because many of our customers are, you know, the Fortune 500. And what we're doing for them is uh, building a communication bridge between really two regions of the world and, and in certain cases, even around the world. So what they want to do is they want to be compliant. You know, a lot of new technologies being added. So some of the rules are not clear about that. You know, but there is issues around data sovereignty, data control, data security, and you know, for the first time, I think our industry, you know, ha has to have uh, a say in that because it impacts us. It impacts us how we operate and how we manage the, that information. Okay, Paul, thank you, Louis. I have a question though. So, if you are in Americas, you know, the total Americas, uh, North America. Uh, does that include Lat LATAM, the Americas, South America? Correct. Mm -hmm. Okay. And do you retail out in these areas services for, as China Telecom, or mainly you provide uh, the ability to extend the China footprint of retailing back into the Americas to then pick up local loops from all various parties? Yeah. So um, in, to answer your specific question, you know, in Latin America, we have a subsidiary called China Telecom Brazil. And in there, we started off as a uh, transit provider for ISPs. You know, Brazil is 9,000 ISPs and growing, you know, steadily, right? Uh, but they need connectivity around the country and to the world. Uh, so we, we uh, started in 2015 as an I a transit provider. Uh, we've started to migrate to support more Chinese enterprises that enter into uh, 
um, Brazil. And we see there's a close to about 300 Chinese companies that have gone into Brazil. So what we do is try to help them with their communications needs as they go into the country. And if you're asking me, do we retail? We retail to them, you know, the services that we buy from other local providers. And we do the same thing for Brazilian companies that are going to China and Asia. You know, um, there's right now a list of about 85 to 100 different uh, Brazilian companies that have operations in China today. So they need communications. So that's what we focus on. And on that side of the equation, um, we not only sell or get them to China, but using our parent company's resources in domestic China, mainland, we actually help them build out their communications infrastructure for whatever it is, if it's retail, if it's uh, um, hotels, manufacturing, whatever they need, we, we build it through our uh, affiliate companies and using their resources uh, so they don't have to worry about buying it over there in China. Okay, so I get it. So what you're saying is there's a lot of business going between the Americas and China uh, for various things from manufacturing to all kinds of areas. And there needs a communication aspects to that. And that's really what China Telecom Americas uh, really facilitate. Do I have that right? You got it. Okay, perfect. Now, helps me make sense. So look, what, what are the unique connectivity requirements and preferences of different industries in the US, Asia, and LATAM regions? And how are they best addressed? So I, I think the, uh, the US, Asia, and LATAM regions are pretty consistent as to what, they, what they're aspiring to reach. Uh, if you think about our, uh, the communications services industry, you know, when I first started, everything was to try to get information from one location to the other location where the computing powers were at the edges, but the edges were at a corporation, right? Or as with the advent of cloud technology, SD-WAN and other technologies, the, the intelligence and the computing power has gone from being at the edge at the enterprise level into the cloud. And the cloud resides inside of a network. So uh, what we see now is that uh, the requirements are less of a need to go to connect one location to another office, right? And, or connect them. What it is is to connect them to a cloud platform. Um, and, you know, the, there's a, several uh, prominent cloud uh, providers. And then we have our own cloud platform as well that complements that need, those needs. And then we also uh, see the need for enterprises in particular that they want to see is better control and uh, better usage of their data traffic. And we do that through SD-WAN services today. Okay, so we've given them power to be able to order services more rapidly, quickly, and deliver them things and use it when they need it. Um, so it's, it's changed. It's changed a lot. And I see those necessities from a global perspective, all similar between US, Asia, and LATAM. Um, in Latin America in particular, uh, you're starting to see, uh, you know, we've, we've seen a, a boom of data center developments. You're starting to see more uh, cloud services being deployed in the, domestically in those countries. Um, and, you know, and that gets us to the next point, which is really there's a, there's a, a the decisions companies are going through. And it's really, where do you want to fit? Do you want to fit in the underlay 
where you're building an infrastructure, you're spending you know billions of dollars to connect a lot of different people together, and you're localized. Or you want to fit into overlay, where companies like China Telecom Americas, you know, our strength is not in building in the underlay, and our, we've never done it. We've actually built what's called an aggregation network. So we have pops, but those pops are you know carrier hotels. And we buy from other, you know, tier one operators or other companies, you know, the local loops to connect to our pops. And then we connect into our international gateways that goes on our global backbone and, and traverses around the world as it needs to. And what we've done is we've made a decision to focus uh, exclusively on the um, overlay network so we can actually provide services to what we see as the future, which is really customers that want to buy you know, things in the cloud, in the network. And uh, for us, we're, um, we've made those kind of commitments. Uh, we started that uh, process about two years ago. We still have a long way to go, but we recently announced, for example, our e-cloud services in Brazil that we're planning to offer to Brazilian operators as well as Brazilian enterprises. And in our case, you know, our value is that we can help you get using our underlay that we've invested we can get you better connectivity into the China market for cloud services. And it solves some of the problems of latency. It solves some of the problems of, you know, having to bounce between different cloud providers and stuff. So we feel that we have a better opportunity to serve those kind of customers going forward. And that's where we're making our investments. So Louis, you mentioned overlay, are you talking SD-WAN technology specifically? Or yes. other areas of overlay. No, uh, uh, you know when I think of overlay, I think of SD WAN technologies. I also uh, would look at uh, things we would we would even consider internet to be sort of an overlay network. Um, anything you know, not to get into a technical discussion, but level three and above, an OSI model. You know, we would look at and say that that's where we are building. So what we're not going to do is we're not going to build you know lay fiber. We're, we're not going to buy spectrum. Um, you know, we are just providing services that will enable these companies to be able to communicate and using somebody else's underlay with their, um, their cable systems and everything else. But okay, the only exception it. being in, in the Philippines where we're the number, we're one of the three uh, wireless providers in the Philippines today. But that was a special project that was emerged into making us a really big player there. Okay, got it. So uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you was, um, so what measures can be taken to address network security and protect user data? Um, so, you know, that's a great question. You know, telecom companies have always been about hardening their network, right? Nothing comes in. You have to be sort of whitelisted to get in and everything else. But with the advent of new technologies or new applications, um, everything from IOT devices and everything else, you sort of have to like um, partition. And what we've taken is we've taken an approach where we want to be able to take uh, all these uh, individual uh, ecos or uh, platforms that a customer wants, and we sort of partition and slice it out all using our network to be able to just offer it to them. So for example, and I'll use IOT again as an example. So, you know, today, uh, our IoT devices that we support are primarily in China, but in China, what we do is we 
we have our a private cloud that parallels the IoT network. Okay. And that private cloud is where you run your applications and you actually get your data analytics from, you get all your information, but it's talking to the devices that are IoT based. Okay. And the IoT devices are dependent on the internet and the internet network that we run. So we all the security that you would use to manage an internet uh, operations or network is embedded there. Plus, we actually have a sort of a sliced off individual uh, enterprise focused um, cloud service that we actually tie to you so you can have the communication back and forth and you have availability to it. Um, that's the first thing we've done for the security on the network side. Um, the second thing we've participated starting in, I think it was 2019 in Manners, which is the Internet Society's um, uh, way of sort of coming up with requirements to be able to uh, sort of make sure the data you're passing is clean and, and efficient and correct. Uh, so we were the first tier one operator uh, with our parent company to start uh, be compliant on Manners uh, policies. And, you know, we've seen, you know, eliminations for the most part of, uh, you know, spoofing and other uh, things that people would use a carrier's network for to conduct. Um, and, you know, it's, we've seen a lot of other uh, operators join too now. So, you know, we're pretty happy and proud of that accomplishment. And then the other component of all this is that we've invested a lot in our cybersecurity infrastructure. And when I talk about cybersecurity infrastructure is making sure that we have a way to know what's happening inside of our company, okay? What resources are made available to what individuals, you know, making sure everything. So the three components, okay? One is how we architect the network to be able to transfer information and make it available and open to support a lot of different things that are coming into the network. The second one is the information we share between us and other operators is clean. And then the third is making sure our, our back office operations are well-managed and secured. So those are the kind of uh, uh, investments we've made. And you know, for a company of China Telecom America size, it's been pretty sizable investments that we've taken to uh, really, you know, for the benefit of our customers. So it was interesting when you said cybersecurity. So what I'm hearing to all of our, you know, members and to all that I talk to, cybersecurity, now SASE has become a huge term and part of the overlay. And adding network connectivity with cybersecurity has become the norm, uh, well, becoming the norm. And that's how, you know, customers want to buy, uh, at least maybe large enterprise, maybe multinationals want to buy it separately. But do you have, does China Telecom Americas have a cybersecurity service offering in, in or we do. do you just secure your own network? We, 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 we have, um, um, you know, there's a big term called zero trust networks. Okay. Um, and what, in our view, it's, or in my view, it's more of a, like a, you know, making sure that everything is clear and that only the things that are supposed to be touching your information is touching your information. Um, you know, that essentially what I described to you earlier, that's what we've done. Okay have it branded it under zero trust networks or SASE? No. Do we offer security services? Absolutely. Uh, we partner, not only do we do some of it internally ourselves, but we also partner with some very large, um, uh, 
you know, cybersecurity companies around the world to help us make sure and help us do it because you can't, you can't do it all yourself. And, uh, you know, we do believe in, um, you know, uh, having a secure operation center that you will help us monitor that, which is different from the knock of, of a global operator. It's different from the knock of a local provider. Um, so it's, it takes a lot of synchronization, a lot of information that has to go between these entities. And it's not as easy because as you probably know already, you know, the, the information and what is being done and each step of the process throughout uh, the communications channel, you know, is it differs and has different stakeholders. And um, so we need to, you know, a lot of our international traffic, we use third party partners. You know, they don't necessarily adhere to all our standards. And, you know, so we have to make sure the information we get is the way we want it and everything else. So it's a, it's a, it's a complicated uh, process that not only China Telecom is pursuing and developing because, as we talked earlier, everything is moving to its cloud. All the resources are in the network. So you have to, you know, an enterprise is only going to continue to buy in that capacity if they trust what's inside. Um, I'm not sure we would have time for anything more, but I, I do want to thank you for your time. And I, this has been really enlightening, and I'm sure for our listeners too. So thank you, Lewis. Thank you, Pascal, and thank you for having me.